0: we're joined by Isis Geraldo, a co-owner of the widely popular cafe and live music venue Resonance. They're here to give us a little insight about the functionality of such a unique business model. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's so nice to have you. Nice to be here.
1: Awesome. So uh, before we get started, uh, how would you say you got affiliated with Resonance and uh, what's the whole story there?
2: Um, I was really good friends with Martin who uh, was like the initial, Martin and Kaelin initially opened up the venue slash uh, cafe. And I kind of just worked there for like many years, like just as like behind the bar, doing whatever. Like at the beginning, they they didn't really, they are all musicians and they didn't know anything about running a cafe. And so...
1: At the beginning, they would just call me
2: up and be like, yo, we need extra banana bread. Like, can you just come in and help us out to bake? So I was like literally just baking in the back. I'm not a baker at all, but we were just like helping friends out, you know. And then over the years, we just started like doing more and more. And now with COVID, um, I became part owner just because I kind of took on more of the managerial side, especially because, as I mentioned, Martin is in law school now and Kaylin is working um, at another coffee roaster and so I kind of just needed to like someone needed to like take over since the model has changed so much since the pandemic so yeah, yeah but I've been around since the beginning pretty much just in different different roles
0: yeah
1: what has yeah. been your uh, favorite what do you think has been like your favorite role so like over the years
2: um I I mean I really love the I'm like the head curator and, and so that's been like my favorite thing just because that, that's what I love doing um, but honestly, it's all been kind of cool. Like I learned how to do sound. You know, I learned how to work food. I learned how to be a bartender. I learned it's all very like different and cool. But I really like the fact that it's kind of like this all inclusive job and there isn't this hierarchy of like you're the owner and you're like the booker and like we all kind of do everything. And I think that's part of the charm of the space.
0: Yeah, cool. that's really cool that everything was so integrated together, and you got to work with that. And you before you said that you were, you guys were all musicians. We are, yeah, we're all musicians. Yeah. So, what, what was your relationship with music like? like? Like, what was your relationship with music like?
2: Uh, over the over the years, I mean, it's been kind of like a decade, you know. So it's changed a lot. But when we first started, I had just graduated from uh, McGill. We all went to McGill for. We all studied jazz. Um, and I was kind of just looking to see what to do with my degree. And so it was a good kind of just cafe job and helping out friends, as I mentioned. But over the years, I kind of started composing more and I started touring more. And the last two or three years, I've been pretty much on the road, like a lot of the year. So I'll, I'll come back for like three months out of the year to work the cafe and I'll still be doing booking while I'm on the road and stuff. Cause I can do all that stuff remotely. But obviously with COVID all my tours got canceled and everything that was part of why i was like okay well i'm gonna take a more like active role in the managing of the space while i can't do the rest of my career you know
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah do you what do you think is the inspiration do you have any idea about what the inspiration was to kind of combine the aspects of like a cafe as well as like live music
2: yeah uh, for sure well i mean as i mentioned we well, are all musicians and so you know, having a their venue in the city is always so valuable, especially a venue that is, like, kind of focused on um, presenting all types of music. Like, there are many venues in the city, but especially for jazz, I feel like there was, like, a very intense, like, niche vibe of, like, upstairs or, like, diazons where, like, you go and you have to drop, like, 50 or 60 bucks and, like, you get to hear a jazz show, but it's, like, an expensive night out. And the idea with this was more that it was, like, way more casual and that we could have, like, more like younger people come through and like maybe have a glass of wine and like enjoy a show and like and it's not just jazz that we book but at the beginning it was and and that was kind of like the model you know we wanted it to be like an alternative listening room
0: yeah and that sounds really cool and like do you think and like they have do you feel like cafe oh yeah I guess you just said that the cafe and live music they do have this similar atmosphere that kind of brings it all together which is really cool and it's cool that there's this was It's not something that I heard of before and it's really cool looking at it now, um, bringing the two together because they do bring a cool atmosphere together. Um. Yeah. And it just like,
2: you know, as musicians, like we've played those rooms and like I would never go like upstairs is great and stuff. But I wouldn't like go casually to hang out and have like a beer there because I couldn't really like afford that ever, you know. And so it's nice to have. And also the fact that we have a restaurant permit and so families can come and like kids can come. And so like at the, on Saturdays at 6 o'clock we'll have like a jazz band and like all the kids will be there and it'll be it's like a really different kind of like live music yeah. vibe you know
1: yeah what a unique a unique way to like sh- share jazz music in the community because yeah. I feel like yeah like you said it, traditionally I feel like you gotta get all dressed up and there's like
2: yeah that. which is nice too you know like there's space for that too like
1: but you get to uh, spread it yeah you get to like yeah. spread it to people who would like normally maybe not be put in that posi- position as well yeah. which is pretty cool yeah, that's, that's really awesome.
2: And also, like, the fact that over the years we kind of started opening up the curation more and, and we wanted to have different types of music there. And because of the volume of music that we were putting on, like, we were doing two shows a night. So, like, sometimes, like, 60 shows a month, you know,
1: mm.
2: like, uh, we would have, like, experimental or, like, noise shows or, like, classical shows. Or, like, some nights we'd have, like, dance nights. uh things which would go until like four in the morning and have DJs and stuff. And so like over the years it's become more like open. And I feel like also as we like get older and like more people come into the community, we want to be more inclusive and stuff and, and want to like bring them in.
0: Yeah. Uh, sure. That's really cool. So when you were talking about how like the cafe and the music venue are integrated, do you, are they organized separately or they're all run by it? Like- uh, I
2: mean, on paper, yes. We, we, on paper, yes, but in practice, no. <laughs> like on paper, we, a few years ago, we um, started this nonprofit called Le Sympathique. And that's kind of like, you could think about that as like the curator of the space. And the reason we did that was basically because we really wanted to have support from the Canada Council and from the Calc and all that. And the best way to do that was to have a nonprofit kind of like functioning. Alongside the business, and so yeah, that's we started that. But it's kind of like the same people. It's just that we kind of have these two little umbrellas that do different things in the space. Oh,
0: huh, cool.
1: that's really cool. Yeah, and uh, yeah, what um, for Les sympathiques? Um, it's just like a nonprofit. Are you guys? Uh, is it? Um, are you organized, and are you trying to help anyone in the community type of thing, or is it mostly just uh, another way to put uh, curate shows?
2: Um, it's pretty much like I would think about it as like the production house or something. Like, but the sympathetic like produces the shows, and so basically, if we run a series or something, then we apply for a budget or we like apply for a grant, and then um, the sympathetic will like pay out the musicians. And so, partly why we started doing that is because. <laughs> When we opened, the whole idea with the shows was that it was going to be a giant bucket kind of thing. And like there was no cover and that like there would always be live music, but people would just donate money into the bucket. And then like, you know, obviously we were so naive and like thought that everyone would give so much money because we were booking really great musicians and like professional musicians. And like the idea was to keep the the caliber of the music like kind of high. But it was kind of a disaster. Like we would empty out that bucket and it would be like $8 for like two sets of music and stuff. And so we were like, okay, this model does not work. Then we tried kind of like us fronting the guarantee as the cafe. And like that also didn't work because it would just literally be us like taking all the cash from the sales all day and like giving it to the musicians. So that didn't work. So we've tried a lot of things, but this way it's like sustainable because we have a budget and we can kind of like not affect the cafe. The cafe can keep the sales of the like the night and then the nonprofit can kind of like hand out the money. So, yeah.
0: That's great that it worked out like that. Do you think that that first model that you were talking about, um, people took advantage of that and w- was like- I a-
2: think, yeah, it's complicated, man. Like, I think I think in an ideal world it would have worked, you know, it's just that I think, you know, music is so, it's it's not properly, you um, what's it called like valued in our society I mean properly in the sense that like I don't think that there's necessarily a culture of like pay what you can to music people kind of just think like oh whatever like if it's pay what you can then it should it's not valuable and which is an interesting thing like it's not the case at all but it's almost like people's psychology like as soon as you put a cover it's like they take the show more seriously or something that's what we've learned which we didn't know before but Yeah.
1: yeah Which is kind of funny, like, like charging someone for the same amount of same type of music. And like, are you honestly just like giving it for free before that? But people just there's a disconnect, I guess, in that.
2: Yeah. Or like giving it for free or more like putting the responsibility on the individual kind of, you know, to like to value what was being um, put on. Because like it's like the maintenance was still there. We were still doing sound checks. Like we were still like everything was still really nicely produced. But um, Yeah, we learned that that just isn't human nature, I guess, or we're not there yet as a
0: society or something. I don't know. (laughs) Hopefully
1: we get there soon. Yeah,
0: (laughs) Yeah, that is interesting (laughs) to bring up that. And now I was just thinking now, like, what did I think? Like, if I thought differently whenever I paid cover for like a show or whatever, and I never really thought of it like that. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah.
2: Well, especially because like if you put in a dollar in a bucket and there's like five musicians on stage, you just paid like 20 cents to those musicians for, you know, like I know people don't think about it like that, but it's like, those are people's livelihoods and like they put in a lot of time into their work, into their instrument, into their craft. And so it's, it's, yeah.
1: Now that you have the nonprofit, do you find like oh, there's the amount of musicians that are looking to play at uh, Resonance are, is increasing?
2: Well, right now it's a shit show to be honest. i I <laughs> right. Well, now, actually, maybe yeah.
1: not right now. I know it's a bit, but, it's a bit of a um, weird time, but.
2: Yeah. In the past, I mean, we've been very fortunate that we've always had a, a lot of people in the community know, there, there isn't a shortage, there isn't um like there isn't too many spaces in the city, you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. So it's not like musicians are like, oh man, like I have like tons of gigs right now. Like if anything, like it would be so nice to see more venues pop up in the city. Uh, there used to be so many more venues, like in the, in the 60s and the 70s, Montreal was like packed with venues and it was, I feel, I don't know, but it seems like it was such a cool scene. Like there was just like live music everywhere all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's changed a lot, obviously. Um, so yeah, we've always kind of, it's been very easy to book the space. Like it's never been difficult, yeah.
0: We were also really curious about, um, did you have any big artists pef- that like started out performing at Resonance and now they've gotten like pretty big? Like, do you remember? Well,
2: I mean, I don't, I guess I don't know what you mean about with when you say big, but yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, we've had a lot of artists grow in the space. And one of the reasons that it, we found it so good to have music all the time is that we're able to give young artists like a residency or like give them a, a room so that they can like experiment and try things out. And like a lot of times you'll get a gig and it'll be like a one-time thing and you have to like show all your work at that gig. And it's very serious. And like you like, there's no room for like error really, or like for exper- experimenting with your art. And the whole idea was to, behind having live music all the time is to have a space where people can kind of grow and like just like try, try ideas out and like fail but also maybe succeed in other ways and so I don't know if I would like frame it in the sense of like someone's like famous now but I do think that there's been so much growth when you see like artists that were playing there like five years ago as to how they sound now it's like pretty amazing so that's that's kind of cool
1: and I'm sure they, like, just are so grateful for you guys to be able to provide that space for them, yeah. too, and play a role in their growth as an artist, which is so amazing and so impactful. Yeah,
2: yeah it's definitely, like, a symbiotic relationship, you know?
1: Yeah. 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 Were there any, like, p- specific memorable performances you might be able to... Uh,
2: I mean, so uh, many, man, over the years, so many... Um, let's see the, I mean my my favorite musicians in the world are Noah and Lewis Cole and they're based in LA and they're friends of mine um they weren't friends of mine many years ago but we actually played our first show I opened for them one time at Resonance and that was amazing and Noah I don't know if you know them but they're an amazing kind of like funk weird like projections and crazy band from LA so that was like a top thing for me uh, yeah but also a lot of like kind of more highbrow, I guess, jazz musicians have come through. You know, like people that are well respected in the, in the in the jazz community. So that's been kind of cool.
0: Uh, sorry, what instrument do you play, or or what kind of, kind of? Music? I
2: play I play piano and synthesizers. Oh, wow. okay. and Martin is a bass player, and Kaylin is a saxophone player. Oh, wow! Have you, ever, have you
1: ever thought of ma- about making a resonance band potentially? We have
2: in the past, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've all played in different kind of like arrangements together or like with different people. Yeah.
1: The house, the house band. Now
2: now it's a little more difficult because as I said, Martin and I moved to Toronto and, um, and Martin's kind of doing this law school thing. And so I feel like there's going to be like a switch, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure it'll happen again at some point if, uh, if we're able to make it through this, this craziness.
0: Um, do you have any regular performers at Resonance?
2: Um, like series? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, we have a lot of residencies. Usually we try to have residencies run like every three months. And so we'll have people kind of like come in on a weekly or on a monthly basis to just kind of like present their like composers in residence. And so they can like write specific things for their series. Community Jazz Project uh, was kind of like in residency, I mean, they're kind of all over, but Martin used to play with them uh, before he opened up Resonance. And so kind of like when Resonance was ready, we were like, we talked to Jassan, who's the organizer of Calmunity. And uh, I don't know if you are familiar with Calmunity, but they're kind of like a hip hop um, social justice collective that are, do very kind of like cool, uh, fun music and uh, every sunday we would have them kind of like stop in and and play and it was that went on for many years i don't know what'll happen after but but yeah that was definitely like a featured long-term residency
1: cool that's really cool that's so special um uh yeah is there just we were just curious is there a story behind the name resonance Uh, um
2: yeah i martin is a physicist he he's or after he did his music degree he studied physics and so I think there was something to do with like the waves um I'm not a physicist so I cannot even explain but (laughs) there was something to do with some kind of like sound waves and uh resonance given that it's a venue it just kind of like Happen. i'm sure that this, the yeah. story is way more complex than that but there is a story and it has to do with physics and music
1: yeah, yeah actually i did yeah. look up the like the term resonance and that's yeah. kind of what came up and i was like yeah. oh I, well, I, I don't study i don't study physics either so i, I was hoping you could maybe explain it further but <laughs> yeah <that laughs> yeah <makes sense. laughs> but yeah it's, that's really cool 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 yeah. Story. yeah
0: um we were also wondering if um your cafe and your music venue if their crowds overlap or are they separate from each other um
2: man it's so it's so hit or miss because we book so many different styles of music like it's funny actually because I feel like sometimes people will go on date like you know we've over the years we've become like a good like date first date spot or like a tinder date spot or whatever like a first date meetup point. and I feel like a lot of times they're expecting this like experience because maybe they were there one day like studying or whatever and there was like some jazz or like some classical piano and they thought it'd be like a cute first date, but then like, they'll come in and it'll be like harsh, like noise (laughs) music or like, you know, minimalist, like soundscapes, you know? And so it's like, and no one can talk and it's like very quiet and it's like a funny thing. So I think in terms of that, we're more of a space where it's like in the daytime people will come and work and study or whatever, or get takeout for their offices or whatever. And then at night it really depends on who's booked and like what crowd they bring in. So it's kind of, like, twofold, you know?
1: Do you, like, have a say in, in the people you're... I guess you would have a say in the people you're booking, but do you, like, are you, like, ever worried that you're going to have a, a super experimental artist that's going to draw, like, no crowd on, like, a Friday? Oh, yeah. or?
2: Well, <laughs> yes and no. I, I wouldn't say that we would be worried that they wouldn't draw a crowd because we are really focused on the music and, and, and maybe that's why, in some ways it's been a hard uphill battle for us because we are very much like, we never ask artists like how popular they are or like we literally only book on the merit of the music and and if we think that the project is, is good for the space um so yeah like sometimes there'll be dead nights but the music will be absolutely fantastic you know and so in some ways like that always takes priority obviously from the business side it's it's hard for us to take a hit like that on a night because we still have to staff the show we still have to pay everybody we still whatever you know running a business but um We've gotten hopefully better over the years about that, like sometimes when when I know that, when we know that we're booking something that it's going to, okay, we got to really push this show to like make sure that people know about it, that people are like, you know, so we'll just put a little more effort on the publicity side, if we think that a show might not do that well financially, but the music will be really tight, you know, so, you know. Yeah, it's it's like we're definitely not the kind of space that is that the first question they ask you is like how many people can you draw? You know, that's like definitely not not our vibe.
1: Great. Well, it's yeah, it's important. Also, like I think I I appreciate you guys sticking to to your like your values as well and just like purely music based, which is I think is really cool.
2: Yeah. Well, I think it's I think honestly, I think that comes from us being artists ourselves, like kind of like having seen both sides. It's it would be hard for us to book i mean there have been nights that we've booked shows that maybe we don't align completely with the music but we know it's going to be packed like i'm not going to lie and say we've never done that but it's definitely like the, the like the least amount of shows that we approach like that
0: it's cool because there's like that relatability that you guys have with the uh, artists as well which is really cool but um do you guys usually advertise on facebook
2: yeah, we are. We advertise on Facebook and on Instagram mainly. I'd say Instagram right now, we're, we're kind of moving the most. Uh, although Facebook, we have more followers, but I just like the platform a little better. I mean, they're both kind of like whatever, but yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, in terms of the pandemic, uh, there's no doubt that I'm sure it's had a major effect on Resonance. Is, have you, has there been any ways that you guys have tried to um, kind of move around uh, the limitations? Um,
2: Many ways. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, as you know, as we, I mean, we've all been in this, but it's been so up and down and the restrictions have been so up and down and stuff. Um, at the beginning, so, like, a year ago now, uh, we just closed because we really didn't know what to do. And we had shows booked. Like, we just pulled all of the shows and kind of were just like, let's just give ourselves a second to figure out what's happening. And especially because we didn't know how long it's going to last or whatever. So, we actually closed for three months, which is, like, the longest we've ever been closed. And then in May or June or, something, or yeah, May, Martin and I were, like... Um, we are moving so we were going to move to Toronto soon and we kind of had to come up with a model before we pieced the city you know so we were like we need to reopen and we need to come up with a way to like get this moving and so the two of us just worked the floor like we would work like seven days a week like 10 hours a day just like the two of us, because we had laid off the, the staff and everything, like there was no one really employed. And we, we figured something out, like we figured out a model, like obviously there's like so much to do in terms of like protective wear and like making sure like the food, sanitation, like there's just a lot of like technical stuff that we had to change. Um, and then in July, we kind of opened it up and hired all the staff again, and or like we have a, a reduced team. Martin likes to say that we're kind of like on low power mode right now, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like we have a tiny team um, and yeah, we're, we're trying to do it now. It's only takeout. We haven't reopened the room just because we're a semi-basement. And also like we just never thought that service without vaccination, like it just didn't seem like a good idea to us. And I'm really glad actually we made that decision because there's been so much start and stop with that and which is really hard on any business. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of the music side, we we've run a couple of series. We did a live stream series starting in July that was just like remote, which was really fun because I was able to kind of hit up my friends that live all over the world that like I tour with or like that had never really been in the space or something, but like that I've always talked to them about it. And so it was cool to include them. and then we did an in-house series that was kind of in, over the summer for like 16 people, like super safe, two meters apart, and like just like small bands, uh, no service. So we did that. That was like a séance de coot series. And now we're doing a Twitch series every Saturday night, which is kind of like a variety show hour. I mean, so we've done some stuff, but it's been very reduced. But Yeah. Okay.
0: So in your opinion, was it harder to operate a cafe slash restaurant during COVID? Or was it the music side that was harder? Or
2: I mean, they're both hard, man. Like the music side, honestly, is kind of non-existent. Like we're really trying our best. But it's it went from being like 60 shows a week uh, a month to like now we're doing four, like every Saturday before we were doing. Yeah. So like four, we went from 60 to four, you know. Um, but yeah, the cafe, it's it's difficult in the sense that it's so unpredictable. You know what I mean? Like, we just don't know what's going to happen after. And right now we kind of have a bit of a model, but it's all dependent on the subsidies that we're getting from the government. And the subsidies are reducing every month. And so like in July, the the subsidies will come kind of to a halt. And that's kind of, that'll be like what, we, we don't know what'll happen, but pretty much like the idea is like, if we can get our numbers up in July, then we'll be able to make it. But if like, if the numbers are still kind of like not happening and the subsidy runs out, like there's no way that we could function. So that's the big question mark right now.
1: Um, yeah. And that, yeah, I feel like the uncertainty is such a big theme and just everything. I'm surrounding everyone's lives yeah. right now, which is crazy. Yeah, and sure I, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Wow. But it's, I'm very impressed by the ways you guys have tried to like and move around them. and these limitations yeah. and stuff so yeah
2: I just got to kind of like be
0: on your feet the, every day you know <laughs>
1: yeah for sure Hope, yeah, that's, yeah that's unbelievable hopefully
0: with vaccinations it'll be uphill from now on <laughs> yeah yeah we're hopeful
2: you know and we're gonna we're honestly the way we're approaching it is kind of like we're ready for anything but we're gonna give it our best whatever happens you know yeah yeah
1: fantastic. Yeah. yeah um moving back to the just Prior, I guess prior, probably like prior to COVID, but um, you've kind of had an interesting look at the Montreal music scene, I guess, over the years and its development. How would you say it's maybe changed uh, over the years?
2: Um, I guess I don't know. I mean, the the Montreal music scene is such a general thing. Like, there's so many scenes within that that umbrella. Uh, For the jazz scene, I feel like there's been there's been a lot of younger musicians that are coming up now that are like doing pretty amazing things. And so, like, I feel like the young jazz musicians are like really taking over, you know, which is really cool to see. And we've seen a lot of them grow at Resonance. In terms of like the underground dance scene, like I feel like a lot of spaces have gotten shut down and the idea behind doing kind of like a dance night with like DJs and like having it be more like an inclusive, like kind of queer space, that seems to be like a needed space in the city right now to me. Like a lot of places are just, yeah, they're obviously they're already like underground spaces. And so it was never really like a legit thing, but I feel like before there was maybe more, more room for those parties to happen. And as the city gets gentrified, it gets brought up and all that, um, I feel really lucky that we can do parties like that because of our sound restrictions. like technically like i don't know if it's like we are a legal space but in the sense like of neighbors and stuff we could have a lot of issues going until four in the morning but we've never had issues and so i we're we're really lucky that we've been able to provide that kind of vibe for the community
1: for sure do you think being in the like where you're situated kind of in the mile end area has played a a role in your like success as uh, becoming like a staple in the community in the music community as well? Maybe,
2: maybe. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, Martin and Kayla and I know we're looking at spots more like downtown before and like when they were first looking at places and I wonder what that would have been like, you know, like, I wonder if we would have lasted as long as we have yeah. and if we would have had more issues with now with noise complaints you know as we've seen like with so many other bars like Bobards I mean I know that wasn't downtown that was kind of in the plateau but Bobards had to shut down because neighbors moved in and like complained about noise you know even though they were there way before the neighbors you know and so um yeah I think part of it is that we're on a big street and we're kind of visible, but we're also a semi-basement and so we're also, we're kind of tucked in. I feel like that might have to do with how, like, we've been visible, but we've also kind of been, like, hidden away, you know?
0: Do you think if you guys opened a place in downtown, there would be less jazz musicians? Um,
2: I don't know. I feel like it would be around the same. I mean, there's a lot. Diazones is around there and Upstairs is around there and... Uh, Grumpies used to have a jam session every wednesday which was like a huge night out for jazz musicians and uh, blurry was around there be- before there was like a bar on park that i think also shut down now but anyway there, there used to be a lot of more jazz action going on downtown so probably it'd be okay plus the universities are downtown so i feel like we would we would also get more like student traffic maybe but I like the fact that we're kind of like not downtown and kind of far from the schools and like people have to like look for us a little more, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. And I, I've been to residence and I like really enjoyed like even the walk up there was awesome and there's yeah. like really cool shops on the way and stuff. I just yeah. I like the way it's situated yeah. a lot. Um Do you think that uh, the concept of like cafe during the day and like loud music at night is, can be replicated in other Canadian cities or do you think it's pretty unique to Montreal? Um,
2: Yeah. I mean, that would be tight, you know, that would be great. I think, I think there's no, I think Toronto is like, we always say like whenever we would visit or whatever, you'd be like, there's no way we could do a resonance here, you know, just because like Toronto rent is like, threefold Mm -hmm. and also everything is probably just more expensive obviously like people are down in Toronto it seems to spend a little more money it's like a more like a currency city almost but Mm -hmm. so maybe like you can make it up by like charging more for everything but I feel like the vibe would just be very different because the 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 city's energy is very different Mm -hmm. as far as other cities I mean it's hard because I feel like you know vancouver is pretty expensive like ottawa kind of has like its own vibe i don't know if i don't know if people would even be down to like party late in ottawa you know it has such a like capital city yeah
0: <laughs> he,
1: was, he was actually I'm from ottawa. Ottawa. it's
2: not okay it's <laughs> not a huge party city so. yeah <laughs> and like and vancouver too like the few times that i've played there it's been like usually like we'll play and it'll go till 10 or 11 o'clock and then everything is shut down it's like there's no like I mean, there are a few like after-hours places, but it's like very not part of the culture. Um, so you know, I think Montreal is special in that way. That like we have maybe because we have so many young people or something. I don't know, but like I feel like there's this like energy for people to wanna
0: do stuff. Yeah, cool. it's yeah. a huge reason why I moved to Montreal from Ottawa for sure.
1: Yeah, and, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I'm from Toronto actually, and yeah, I think like maybe not the passion for music but I I just something like that just has drawn me as well into like this this scene a lot more Mm -hmm. and like maybe does all the universities potentially as well and and mm-hmm. also the low rent and there's a lot of factors I think but it's and maybe like a, the yeah.
2: size too like it's small enough that you can kind of like get around the city in a way like you can yeah. bike to places in like 15 minutes and it's not this like huge track you know so yeah.
1: and like the ability there's so many like hidden gems around also yeah. uh, which yeah. I think is, is cool and that's just like part of the whole city vibe yeah. which is interesting yeah. there's so many like uh, chain institutions in Toronto I find that like yeah, yeah. so it's it's definitely yeah, it's less genuine sometimes so
2: <laughs> yeah it is I mean I think part of it has to do with just the development and like the infrastructure and like how many companies are like buying places up I think Montreal is definitely changing in those respects like it's it's if you even look at like our block I mean right now it's particularly bad because of the pandemic but it's like all getting bought up you know yeah. and so I I hope that the city maintains this like kind of like anarchist um,
0: attitude you know it's traditionally, yeah yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're we're almost running out um a little bit of time, but we do some rapid fire questions at the end of our podcast, so we're we're kind of just going to ask you a couple quick questions and then um, say the first thing that comes to mind. If you don't mind? Sure. Um. So, what's your favorite resonance treat?
2: Ooh, banana bread.
1: Mm. Yeah. So. Drink Mo. I, yeah. I guess I um, hardest drink to make on the.
2: Oh my God, it's not on the menu anymore. It, it used to be called The Goods and it had so many ingredients. It was a cocktail, super <laughs> intense to make. Yeah.
0: Do you have a favorite drink at Residence or what, what's your favorite drink?
2: I mean, I made, I, we made a Chiquita Magic cocktail, so I have to say that one.
1: What's the best item uh, or beverage on the menu to pair with a Jazz Night, for example? Red wine. Good one.
0: And what about a classical night? Um, hot toddy. Nice.
1: And then, and then, lastly, an experimental music night.
0: Um, maybe a plain old beer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <Cool. laughs> um, hot coffee or or a cold brew? Um,
2: depends on the season.
1: What about right now? Kind
0: of. I
2: would go for a hot coffee still.
1: I think i myself. Yeah. Would. Yeah. Uh, and just lastly, um, favorite Montreal-based artist, would you say?
2: Oh, wow. Maybe at
1: the moment, at the moment.
2: At the moment. Um, I'd have to shout out my homie and, and fellow sympathetic board member, Tanya Iyer. Hey, nice.
1: shout out. Yeah.
0: <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, so we were also wondering, uh, what's next for Resonance? What do you have next planned? or
1: Anything you want to say to yeah. the listen uh, our listeners? Um...
0: So many things. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly... Support small
2: business, support local business, support black owned business, support trans business, Um, you know, yeah, that's the main thing. Right now are hard times for small businesses and so everything, every little thing helps. And as far as what we have planned, the main thing we have going on is check out our Twitch series every Saturday night on Twitch TV slash Floriform Records, which is our mini record label. Um, We're presenting so much cool stuff that artists from the city are releasing right now. Like we're trying to make it as current and as local as possible. And it's cute. We kind of like hang out in the chat. It's kind of like being at Resonance, but virtually so.
1: Oh, oh, that's sweet. Awesome. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so so much for your time and for talking to us today. Yeah, no
2: problem. Thank you for having us.
1: Thanks again for coming on the podcast. Uh, tune in next week for uh, another episode of uh, the Music to Life podcast.